BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hi, guys. Welcome back to the Balanced Blonde Podcast, Soul on Fire. I am finally starting to feel better after being sick for a while, and I'm so happy about that because that means that I can record my solo podcast episode this week, and hopefully it will be out in a few days for you guys to check out. And before then, we have so many good guests lined up. Today, we have Mary Shinuda of The Paleo Chef. She is the founder of Fat Fudge, the most delicious ketogenic snack slash dessert slash healthy bomb of fat that you could ever imagine. You guys will fall in love with her. She's basically a comedian. We connected on such a deep level the moment that she walked into my apartment. We have some mutual friends like Kelly Levesque and Jonathan loves her product. So he told me to check it out and Kelly told me to check it out and a handful of other people have told me how awesome Mary was. So I had no doubt that when she came over to record for the podcast, I would love her. But I had no idea how much I would love her and how much we would connect. She's such a genuine down-to-earth person. Something I really respect about her is that she does her own thing. She stays under the radar and she doesn't throw herself into every wellness event in LA. She's not really around on that social circuit and not to say she's not a social person because this girl is so much fun and extroverted and a blast and she for sure has a lot of friends, but she just is confident in what she does and doesn't have to be out there networking. And I really appreciate that. This is something I've talked about a little bit with Lauren and Michael when I had them on the podcast from the Skinny Confidential. And something I talk about with my friends in this industry quite often is the whole networking versus just being totally genuine and letting the word spread genuinely type of approach. And Mary's one of those people She also has a really interesting history of her own with food issues and also with trauma. And this is something we talked about a lot off recording and then a little bit on recording. And we just connected so deeply on that. I think we both cried, got teary-eyed because she just recognized in me so much stuff that I don't talk about very publicly or very often and likewise with her. And it was really cool. So I feel like this conversation is a fun one. 
It was also just so cool to hear how she built her business from the ground up in a very smart, very brilliant, and very rapid way. And she has some really good tips for that. So people who are entrepreneurs who are listening or have a dream of a company of their own that they'd like to start, I think you're going to be very, very impressed by her story. Also, anyone listening who is thinking about becoming a private chef or sharing your chefing skills, I think you'll be also really inspired by the way that she has built a business around that. So I'm excited to chat. And before we dive into that, I will tell you a little bit about our sponsor for today's episode, which is Rebel. You guys know I love Rebel like no other. That is Rebel as in R-E-B-B-L. And if you don't yet know, Rebel is a coconut milk-based elixir and protein drink line that is completely full of super herbs and adaptogens. So I'm pretty excited to talk more in depth about adaptogens soon when I have Kelly Levesque back on this podcast in a few weeks because adaptogens are herbs. They are used in Chinese medicine. They can be used to heal all sorts of gut issues, digestive health, hormone imbalances. And I've worked very closely with my Ayurvedic practitioner, Anjali, on certain herbs and adaptogens. So I really like the way that Rebel uses adaptogens in their drinks because they don't necessarily mix a a bunch of adaptogens into one. And that's something I've seen a little too often these days on social media and people's Instagram stories is kind of just throwing around these herbs and super herbs and adaptogens without necessarily knowing what each of them is for, etc. So I really trust Rebel and the amount of adaptogens and super herbs that Rebel uses in each drink. So adaptogens are something that you should certainly know about. They are super herbs that are used by ancient cultures to bring the body back into balance. So I take ashwagandha before I go to bed at night because I like to exercise at night. Lately, I've been going on these really long walks in my neighborhood to calm down and get myself back to a state of balance at the end of the day. But it also gets my heart rate up because I'm fast walking. I'm trying to hit my 10,000 steps. And then I come home and I'm ready for bed and I'm a little wired. That's just the kind of person I am. I get wired at the end of the day. So it was recommended to me that I take ashwagandha to sleep and it calms me down. It brings my nervous system back down to that parasympathetic state. And it's pretty wonderful. It helps me a lot. And then for another example, some people take ashwagandha to combat some of the symptoms and signs of depression, and it really helps them. So it really just depends on who you are and what you need in order to figure out what adaptogens work for you. But what I really love about Rebel is that they have a lot of different options. So you can check out their drinks that have ashwagandha. You can check out their drinks that have maca, reishi. All of them have amazing health benefits. And All Rebel drinks are coconut milk-based with healthy fats and MCTs. They're certified organic, non-GMO, soy-free, dairy-free, and paleo-friendly. So I can't speak for Mary, the guest on today's episode, but since they're paleo-friendly and all that good stuff full of healthy fats, I'm willing to bet that she would probably love them and stand behind them because... I think you'll hear me say to Mary in the episode that her skin was absolutely glowing on another level of shiny and glowy and gorgeous. And she told me it is thanks to all of the healthy fats in her diet. So that's really amazing. 
and Rebel is organic and fair trade when it's available. And as you know, because I talk about it frequently, Rebel was born out of their nonprofit, Not For Sale, which is a nonprofit organization against human sex trafficking. So I love that about them. They are an impact-driven company with a cause. And as always, when I partner with Rebel, we are offering a fun giveaway. So head over to Instagram, comment on the photo that I use to promote this episode, and tell us why you want to try Rebel. Tag a friend, and we will send a case of Rebel to both you and your friend that you think would be interested. So head over to Instagram, tell us what you like, tag Rebel, all that good stuff. Tag a friend, and it'll be a blast because I love to give things away to you guys that I genuinely drink and use every single day. So thank you so much to Rebel and thank you to Mary. And let's go ahead and dive into the episode. Guys, I'm sitting here with Mary Shenuda of The Paleo Chef and also of Fat Fudge, which Maybe you guys have seen me post on my Insta story or definitely seen Jonathan post because he's all about it. And so am I. It's delicious. And basically, Mary does a ton of stuff. She's a private chef. She runs a paleo blog, social media, all sorts of stuff. I was just saying to her, how will I even go about introducing you? Because you do so much. We've been sitting here getting to know each other, just talking kind of about what she does on a daily basis and a weekly basis. And we can agree that our calendars are jam-packed full of stuff that we feel very lucky, very happy to be doing, but it's a lot. And sometimes it's too much and that's okay too. Uh, That's definitely where I am right now. And that's just how I feel, but she's, she's killing it. She's such a light ever since she walked into my apartment, like 20 minutes ago, I feel light. I feel good. She just has a great energy, which I love. So Mary, I'll let you introduce yourself and uh, tell our listeners who you are. I feel the same about the light. Mary is my name, uh, private chef. My website I would call more of like an online business card. I'm pretty awful at blogging. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I was like, uh, because I feel like then there's an expectation that I have to consistently post an email and I'm pretty awful at that. So I would say my Instagram is more of my microblog where I my thoughts get downloaded there. Then I have events and private dinner events and traveling for that kind of stuff and a YouTube show and book stuff and speaking events for entrepreneurs. And again, like you said, everything that I'm super grateful for. Though, As much as it sounds like a lot, that's actually the stuff I say yes to because you say no to so much more. Um, and it, what I'm learning right now is focus, organized focus. So knowing how to split up my week so I don't pull my hair out. It's a lot. It's a lot. And I'm from Northern California, and now I live in Marina del Rey, California, Venice border. Yeah, that was one of the first things we realized when she was walking in was that we're both from NorCal. And that's always very dear to my heart because people who grew up in Northern California, there's just a vibe. It's like a down-to-earth, we kind of get each other vibe. I always feel that, especially when people are familiar with Sacramento because Sacramento is a special place and people listening who are from Sacramento or have been there, maybe not people who have just passed through. They don't usually get it. (laughs) But if you're from Sacramento, you get it. It's like this down-to-earth 
really cool personality thing that I don't really find in other places. I mean, other people are cool too, but it's it's specific. It's different. Yeah, it's definitely different. And the people that I find from Northern California, like you said, super grounded, biggest hearts, but also don't mess with us because <laughs> there's a little bit of like we'll stand up for ourselves and we'll stand up for our loved ones. So don't always confuse the down to earth with like the pansiness. And I I. I have a few friends here that I've met who uh, are from Sacramento as well and from different parts of the Bay Area, and we don't realize it at first. And we've all lived in LA long enough. And uh, and as soon as we realize we're both from the Bay Area, you'll notice our body language change and our vocabulary change because we suddenly feel like we're around our homies and our like family. And it's just a unique way of communicating. And it's also interesting to see how we've adapted over time being in Southern California. Sure. I know. I've been here now for eight years, minus when I lived in New York. And so, yeah, people, I've, almost the first thing they say when they meet me, even like you did, was, oh, are you from here? Because I kind of look, seem, act like I'm from Southern California. I'm a beach person. I love it here. But then instantly it makes so much more sense. And it's so true what you said, because first when people meet me, they're always like, wow, you're so sweet. You're so nice. You must not have a mean bone in your body. And I don't have a mean bone, but I, I mean, yeah, don't cross the people I love. And I will always stand up for myself. I will always stand up for the people I love. I will not get walked all over. And that's important especially for those of us who have a brand and a business and all sorts of things to say no to and to say yes to and to manage. So it's important. It's it's really cool. And something we were talking about before we started recording was your upbringing. And it was a very spiritual upbringing, which I think is so cool. And I didn't really have that. My parents are awesome, but um, not necessarily spiritual or religious or anything. So it would be cool for you to talk about um, that and how that's influenced you now. Sure. I was raised uh, Coptic Orthodox, which is a really, really old Christianity uh, in Egypt. Copt is an ancient Egyptian and Coptic is the language of the dead Egyptians. And my father was ordained by Pope Shenouda to become a priest. And my mom was going to be a nun. Is that, is that your last name? Uh, the last name was already in the family, oh, okay. and it was just coincidental that the Pope at the time was a Shenouda. I get that question a lot, mm-hmm. um, sometimes for better or worse, people who know about the history there. And Coptic Christianity is very uh, spiritual, very inclusive, very mystical. And we were raised to ask questions. If you don't understand something or you want to question it, you're allowed to do that. And so it always felt safe. And there's a little bit of a, a connection to it when I would be learning something uh, at church and then go spend three months in Egypt with my family and see and touch the things that I'm reading about. So it made me feel very confident in the spirituality that my parents raised me in. And they encouraged me to learn about every single religion that's out there just so I could understand that. And this does sometimes upset some people when I say it. One truth, many songs. My mom always says, you know, these other, our faith wouldn't exist if these other faiths didn't also exist. They all play into each other's story. And that gave me a really good uh, basis for compassion, which I guess it, to me is the source of any sort of spirituality, compassion for thyself. And then when you have that, you don't know how to, have, you know how to have compassion for people, people around you. The darkness, I guess, of being Coptic is ISIS targets us. Our churches are bombed all the time. They're like, 
just a few months ago, my, my parents' church, uh, somebody went in there. They, they want to wipe out the Coptic Christianity. So there's also this like, <sighs> there's also a heaviness that comes to it because it, that's, it's been like that since the beginning of time with, with that faith. And there is um, not a focus on death, but a focus on life. Like that sense of mortality is coming is also ingrained in that faith. And uh, even though that was a big part of my upbringing, my parents also didn't force it upon me. So there was always your option to choose. And I may not exactly be who my parents wanted me to be when I grew up. Got some like tattoos and things that they're not totally a fan of. They never asked me to be anything other than who I am. And I don't know if that is faith-based or their individual base, because that's usually not the case for first-generation traditional parents. And I think that combination is what allowed me to like peek into other ways of living. And they're like, no, 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 I'm, re- I'm pretty set on the spirituality. Yeah, no, mom, mom and dad were right. Yeah. So that's, that, that's, that's, that's the short version. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, that's so cool. And that's scary about ISIS. I had no idea. Um, I just don't know that much about specific religions. I was raised Jewish, but not very religious, just kind of as a basis for community. So that's so fascinating. That's crazy. Coptics were persecuted in the same way that the Jews were persecuted. And so there's a tattoo I have on my wrist and there's a period in time where this was actually a marking to like identify who was Coptic and uh, talk about that with my friends that, that are Jewish, like that, that sense of like, we have burden and struggle. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and it's, it's so bizarre. My young, my like four-year-old and my, my mind is like, why can't, I don't understand. Like, it's just humans killing humans. I don't understand these labels types of things. I get it. Label free is what I am all about. No, that's so, that's nuts. And it's so true. We are all just human and the peacemaker in me just wants everybody to get, to get along. I just don't get it. That's just my, my viewpoint. I don't get it. So what do you do when you say you, you don't get it and you seem like an action, action oriented person? So you don't get it. How do you think you're living your day to day where you're helping other people, other people get it and understand it? Well, that's a really good question. I feel like my my brand has changed a lot since I started it. I started it as a vegan food blog four years ago. <laughs> no longer vegan. And it's changed so much. It's always evolving. And so that's kind of my platform to share with the world or the people who come and find it. So people who I know, people who I don't know. And lately, I guess for the last couple of years, I've really recognized that it can be a platform to share what's important to me, which is just acceptance and an overall sense of serenity with yourself so that you can be the best version, be a light to the people who you encounter. So I just try to talk about that um, on social media and also in everyday life, which I think is even more important. Like I'll go to Alfred Coffee down the street And I will talk to people, talk to the person making my coffee. I'll talk to people in line and just make sure that I'm not a person who's going to make their day worse in any way, but hopefully make their day better. And I think that's all I can do because I so appreciate when people are friendly to me and it's kind of rare out in public and, you know, at airports and things where people are just in a bad mood. I try to just be a light to people and not like over the top. I'm not like totally striking up major conversation with somebody who doesn't want it but just a little like hey how are you or thank you so much i hope your day is going well i wouldn't i wouldn't say like 
words are really powerful to me, so I might do this a couple of times. I wouldn't say you're just being a light. You are being a light because it's not a small little thing. It's a huge thing. Like you said, it's super rare. So I commend you on realizing that and being really intentional in it. And it's not just, it like definitely is really, really powerful. No, totally. And that's why it's so important to me to take care of myself and get enough rest and do all these things so that I can be that way. Because I definitely have off days and I'm not perfectly happy all the time. And I have definitely probably been rude to people in public many times. So I want to take care of myself. I mean, right now I'm like overexhausted. I'm a little burnt out just in general. Not because I don't love what I'm doing, but I'm just tired <laughs> and it's been a long couple of weeks. So I just recognize how important it is to take care of myself. That's never selfish. That's something that I want people to know. It's never selfish to spend time on yourself and focus on yourself because ultimately you can't help anybody else if you're not taking care of yourself. I, I tell people there's people who are selfish and they're assholes, but you can also be a selfless asshole where you're like a martyr and it's happening at your own expense and mm-hmm. you're always supposed to take care of yourself because if you neglect yourself, I mean, only assholes neglect themselves. So it's super important not to be a selfless asshole. I'm sorry if I'm not supposed to curse on this. Okay. <laughs> We're all good. We are not a clean podcast. We are under the explicit label. So that's good. Good because you're just your authentic self and that's what I want. So something I'm so wanting for you to share on this podcast, because I read your website and I've seen some of your history and what you dealt with with your health, and you were so frustrated. You had just undiagnosable, it sounds like, uh, problems and ever since second grade. And I get that too. I had stuff like that. So, And I know a lot of people listening too have had have had stuff like that so tell us how did you deal with that and then you ended up finding this way of life where you're very healthy you're glowing so what was the journey like starting in second grade (laughs) uh so uh, in hindsight it makes a lot of sense because um, in second grade is when I stopped eating the food that my mom was making me which is Mediterranean food and I would start to have school lunches and Now, looking back, that makes sense why I started to get sick in second grade. Uh, And it started out as migraines. If you don't have a temperature, the nurse sends you back to your seat. I don't have a temperature. And she thinks you're lying. And then I'd start vomiting. And like, oh, maybe she's not lying. And, And that was the beginning of being in pain and feeling betrayed because nobody would believe me. My mom believed me because she had migraines. And now we know why she has migraines. And and the migraines then rolled into skin conditions, hormone conditions, emotional conditions. uh, And this was happening the majority of my life up until I figured out the diagnosis and um, tried to make the best of it. So I would would think about all the pain that I'm in, headache almost every single day, migraines multiple times a month. And my migraines would get so bad that I would start vomiting over and over and over and over again until I'd be so dehydrated that I would black out in a pool of vomit and somebody would find me. And when they see that, they don't think migraine. Obviously, they think drug overdose and you're getting rushed to the ER and people are yelling at you there asking you what you took so they can help you and you're trying to, it's just a headache, I swear. And that didn't make sense to me. And I was the elephant in the room to my doctors. They would test me for everything Um, tell me, you know, it's possible it's cancer, it's possible it's lupus and put you on all these medications that made you feel worse because they're they're guessing, they're experimenting with you. And that's fine. That's medicine. There's a lot of magic that comes from that experimentation. 
But if you are the person in the room that, or if you're not the person in the room that knows the most about your body, there's a problem. And that's the click in my head that I need to, I can't rely on these people. I have to do more of my own stuff and my own research. So that started not until like 24 or 25. And I found a TED talk by Dr. Terry Walls about the mitochondria. Made a lot of sense to me because uh, I did a report on the mitochondria in high school and I rewrote the words to a Beastie Boys song for the presentation. (laughs) And I almost felt dumb that I always had that answer there. But I guess having that in the background made her talk make way more sense. Um, And then I started to uh, slowly remove things from my diet and at the same time send out my own lab work because I had gotten tested for uh, celiac and they had told me that it was negative. And it's a blood test. And I found out that blood tests are 60% inconclusive. And that's a huge margin of error. So I found a lab that does stool testing and cheek swab. I was expecting uh, a, a gluten intolerance to come back because I'd already started to remove gluten and feel better. But it came back and said that I was full-blown celiac and had an intolerance to casein and soy. And I was super, super pumped that that was the result. Like, really? Yes, because I had I had ultimately decided that the reason why I was in so much pain was because someone else in the world was suffering less. Like I I turned to that person in my head, yeah. or sometimes I was like a maybe I have a superpower that's like manifesting. And ultimately, yeah, if you look at my life now, so three months into removing those items from my diet, every single thing that ever plagued me medically completely went away. And I've never really had body image issues. I was always an athlete. So even though I guess I was on the thicker side, looking at the comparisons of the photos, I did lose 30 to 40 pounds and nobody complains (laughs) about that. Um, And so that was kind of the start of my health journey. And and, um, I am a supremely optimistic person. And I think it's because I hold a lot of negativity. So I have to like work on the optimism. I say without my negativity, I wouldn't be an optimist. But now I was able to attach my optimism with feeling good for like the first time in my life. That's so cool that you found a way of life that worked for you and that you got answers. And I know exactly what you mean that when you got those tests back, it's really thrilling to have some hard evidence about what's going on. And it's crazy how inconclusive those tests can be. And um, I mean, I still think, so I've had every test under the sun and I still am beyond positive that I don't have even half of the answers that when I do have them, hopefully soon, uh, will really, really help me because it's just knowledge is power when it comes to our bodies. And is Is there something you're actively trying to figure out? Yeah. Mainly, I have a lot of hormone imbalances from my years of being a raw vegan and um, really messing with my blood sugar balance and my estrogen and my cortisol. We'll see when I get my latest test back. It's more like it is really imbalanced with other hormones, the estrogen. And so you know how everything's all interconnected. So um, I've had a lot of trouble getting everything back on track. I had a pretty severe eating disorder. So to come back from all of that and try to live this balanced life is just a learning curve and it's been three years. So three years later, I have a lot more answers than I did at the beginning. And it's just a journey and I have a functional medicine doctor and 
work with all sorts of people, Ayurvedic practitioners, um, really spiritual stuff, more like Reiki and shaman, shaman, just to, to get some sort of relief. Um, but I'm getting there. I feel good most of the time, but I'm positive that there's other stuff. I would just love, like, I would love some sort of like magical x-ray that could just tell me this is what you can eat and this is what you shouldn't eat. This is how you should exercise. This is how you should sleep. And I'm just figuring it all out on my own. So I just went through figuring out, um, cause I just had an estrogen, progesterone, testosterone imbalance that I was dealing with the last year and a half. And it was, um, doctors trying to play with hormones again, taking them, not happy with them each time. Uh, I just kicked it, kicked its butt for the first time over the last three months. For what it's worth, I think a lot of women go through potential PCOS issues and endometriosis issues. And that's what the doctors are saying. And I was super tired. I was getting puffy. I was getting really moody. My anxiety was coming back full-fledged. My, rationally, my brain is like, why are you freaking out? My body's like, we are freaking out. Sharing this just in case anybody wants to look it up. Instead of doing the different hormones and thyroid stuff they wanted me to do, so I have a team. I have my regular doctor. I have my Western doctor or my um, like Eastern doctor, my nutritional therapist, my gynecologist, my trainer. Everyone's on one string. Everyone communicates with me on one string so we know what's going on. <laughs> and I handpicked everyone. So I, I took my le- most recent blood uh, test three or four months ago and my Dr. Jay Tata, Metabolic Effect, he specializes in women hormones. And Krista Arecchio from The Whole Journey, who's all about the gut biome. I love Krista. She's a fascinating woman. And um, together they said, you know, we understand why they're saying it's your estrogen. And we understand why they're saying it's your thyroid. I think it's a little more nuanced than that. So let's just treat your progesterone and see if we can get the rest of the things to start working in harmony with the progesterone dip. And so I started taking something called Chastberry. Uh, it's a supplement, um, Vitex, for three months every single day. And all those symptoms went away and my energy came back. And I know I feel much better. Um, and I just had, it was a dosage for three full months. That last dosage was a few weeks ago. And I just went in for my follow-up blood test. And I'm so excited to tell the regular doctor, keep your hormones. <laughs> yes. Oh, wow. That's so cool to hear. It's just unbelievable how it really does take a village to come to any sort of conclusion when things are hormonal, like that deep in the body. It's almost, it's a guessing game, like you said, unless you have a team of people or one person in some cases who can really look at it from all angles, from an alternative angle most of the time. So I would love that. I would love to feel that way. You're comfortable. I want to. I want to hear like your follow up when you get your blood yeah, tests and stuff. Uh, yeah. I'll keep you updated. Um, this is prompting me. I've put a lot of things on the back burner. Some tests included. They're literally sitting right there. I'm like, oh yeah, stool test, cortisol test, the swab. I've got it. Yep, Doctor Lekos, if you're listening. It'll be happening really soon. And I'm going to start working with a nutritional therapist. Is that what you said? Or NT, NTP? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, just, I just call her Krista. <laughs> yeah. Mine is Meg. And I have my first session with her coming up. So I'm pretty, pretty stoked about that. Want recipes that taste amazing to go with that, you can call me. Yes. I know. When I was looking at your site earlier and I saw you have 
all the different things that you do and work with me was a tab. It's a, it's for as a chef, right? Um, cause I was wondering if you were like a health coach or anything because you're so knowledgeable. No, she's shaking her head. No. Um, well you do enough as it is. So that's wonderful. But yeah, it's so nice that you have a whole team and to have everybody talking though to each other is key. Cause I've had a lot of different a lot of different input from a lot of different really knowledgeable, really awesome people. But sometimes it's conflicting advice that I'm getting and they're not always in contact with each other. So yes, I need to put them in contact. You don't like it at first. Everyone, yeah. like my trainer's like, do I really need to hear about what happened in the gynecologist? I go, absolutely. Because I also found out from the sports therapist, my sacrum is detached. So there could be like, you guys all need to be right. in the know. I know. And if you love me, you'll do it. And if you want me to keep paying you, you'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> So necessary. Speaking of that, with finding out about your sacrum, I've been doing body work lately with Lauren Roxburgh. She's so incredible. Do you, yeah. Do you know her? I feel like you guys would. Okay. Yeah. You should. I'll introduce you guys. She has been really like working into my fascia. She has the strongest hands. Well, she claims it all comes from the ground, from grounding herself into the earth and then pushing into you, but she's also just so strong. And (laughs) yeah, she worked on me for two and a half hours, two days ago. And I have, in the best way, bruises on my hips and my ribs because that's how much my fascia was sticking together. And I had someone tell me this morning, Ashley, who takes my photos, that I look leaner, taller, and I feel that way. I'm like, God, my fascia was sticking together and I was like just compressed into this little ball and that's not a good feeling. When you say that, because we use such fancy words now, (laughs) I think about like, what would our 10-year-old self think about us? My fascia. (laughs) Like, would they think we're cool or not cool? Because I talk about, I get obsessed with everything from gut biome to poop stuff to now like body work, like really understanding how the body moves and how, like, even like how we sit here, all that kind of stuff. Totally. No, I was, I never thought, even until I just started working with Lauren um, with body work, that I was so interested in my ankle flexion and the way that my feet touch the ground when I walk and when I run. And now, I mean, I thought I would be bored to tears by talking about like the way that my calves are when I'm doing yoga, but to learn about that stuff is just more knowledge that we can uncover about our bodies. I definitely, though, my 10-year-old self would think I was so weird and had taken like a major weird turn in life. I know this too because I have nieces who are 14 and 9. And um, the 14-year-old follows me, of course, on Instagram and her friends follow me. And I know half the stuff I post. She's probably just like dying of embarrassment. Like, why do my friends follow my aunt? She's talking about like hormone problems and cystic acne and eating disorder recovery and she's when it starts they're all gonna (laughs) I know um she's in a health class right now like a summer school class and she's like oh look I'm reading about you it's the eating disorder chapter I'm like this is just great I'm so glad that I am what an eating I'm the picture of eating disorder to you but it's helpful because then I could talk to her and explain to her yeah. my eating disorder, yeah. orthorexia, was very different yeah. than um, bulimia, anorexia, and could explain to her how to avoid ever falling into that. So I hope at least everything I've been through can help her and lots of other people. Yeah. So we'll see. 
So when you were trying to figure out your health issues and before you started eliminating the foods that really, really helped you, did you ever try to eliminate other foods just to to try to figure out what was wrong with you and find that it didn't help? Do you mean before the gluten or just other ingredients in general? No, I didn't get it. Uh, I'd heard of of gluten-free maybe five or six years prior. Didn't really understand it. Just knew my friend had incredible abs, but Mm -hmm. I didn't want to give up the... This, this gluten thing she was talking about. But when I found out about it, I did remove the gluten dairy soy. And at the time, paleo was becoming kind of a, a known word in San Francisco. So I'd looked up the word paleo. I'm like, oh, that's so much easier to say just to a restaurant. That I'm, I'm, I'm following a paleo thing. So I kind of backdoored into the name paleo. But then I then looked at the other foods in there that were in those categories. And as I started to eliminate those, I only saw increased stuff. Positive gains from removing those. Um, but before that, no. I would say the closest thing to elimination was before a, a Halloween party that I was going to wear a two-piece to. I did the cabbage soup diet, and I guess that's an elimination diet. <laughs> Not a healthy thing to do, but you, you do what you think is right at the time. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. The reason I ask is because having um, grown up with similar stomach problems or similar just health issues. I was always cutting stuff out, trying to figure out what worked for me and with very, very limited knowledge of any of it. I was ahead of the curve, but I was like the 10-year-old who thought being vegetarian would cure my problems. And they would for like a week or something because it's just, you know, a healthy way to eat. But I never really found my thing until I got much older. And I will say paleo, if anything, although I'm not a label person, um, paleo, ketogenic, that kind of lifestyle definitely works for me when when all is balanced and good, which is not always, which is not now. So <laughs> we'll see. I, like, I, I make fun. I'm like, you know, it's funny that the paleo chef hates the word paleo, but I feel like it also gives me a greater license to make fun of the word paleo. So I say, it's paleo. What works for me is not going to work for you. And what works for you now may not work for you in six months. And if you're not constantly evolving... Like, there's no diet book and no way that's going to work across multiple people. And the only truest way I believe to be able to adjust your diet is by doing a regular hormone panel, regular nutrition panel every three to six months if you can and constantly adjusting your diet based on those results. And that's my idea of paleo. Love it. Well, talk about dedication. That's a lot of time spent on your health and it's so important. It's all we have. No, it's truly all we have. And I'm such a geek about this stuff. I love this stuff, but I know so many people out there would be like every three months, every six months, that's all the time. But if you want to feel good, yeah, it's healthcare. It's preventative. And this is what I was talking about with Anjali, my Ayurvedic practitioner, who when this comes out, she'll have been on the week before. So you guys listening know who she is. It's Ayurveda is technically preventative medicine, or at least that's the way that she practices it here in the West. Because in India, it's practiced. I mean, they're doctors, people who practice Ayurveda here. It's a little bit different. It's not recognized as healthcare, but it's preventative. And it's so important. And if we can prevent all of these things from happening to us, it's just an investment in our health. 
It's also an investment in your lifestyle from the sense of like business and decisions you make with people around you. When you invest in your health in that way, you feel amazing and you start making decisions from the I feel amazing standpoint. You make really bad scarcity decisions when you're sick or are unhappy. Yeah, all the and, and if you avoid that, it's why I find that I'm very careful with with uh, the friends I talk to about diet because as soon as they fix their diet and they start doing things at the beach, they quit their corporate job because suddenly they feel good and they realize, wait, no, I don't want it. I don't want to be here. I feel good. Yeah. And I'm like, sorry, guys. Sorry to the company. Um, but it, it's it's it, I know three to six months can seem excessive, but what if that is what is going to get you to live the life you choose? Well, who doesn't want to feel good and be inspired to make a huge change in their life that makes them even happier? It's just so worth it. And speaking of that, I want to hear your journey from corporate life to totally alternative career, which is so hard to even describe, even though I get it because I live that too, but it's still hard. It's still hard to describe even for me when I'm introducing you. So yeah, let's, let's hear the journey. 10 years in corporate America. I'm actually a high school dropout and went straight into no corporate. Way. Yeah. Wait, I want to say something really quick. So funny that you're a high school dropout because there is such a pattern of people on this podcast who have dropped out of some form of school, whether it be high school, college, or grad school in my case. I think a lot of times people who drop out of traditional schooling are on the road to what is perfect for them because such a, it's such a mold that yeah. does not work for everybody. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, I call, well, I didn't call myself this. Other people did. I'm a flight hazard. <laughs> <laughs> if I, the day I'm, I'm bored, the 1% unhappy is actually 99% unhappy and I'm not going to waste anybody's time and I peace out. I uh, so high, and I was a good student. I was a varsity tennis player, great grades. I had gone in, in yeah, in San Jose and I'd gone in to get check credits uh, for a senior year to see what I'm going to do for college. And the, the school counselors like, oh, you need number, like a really small number of credits. And I thought she meant just for one class. And um, she's like, no, no, that's all you need to graduate. I'm like, wait, you want me to be here for another year and a half and I just need one small psychology course? I'm out of here. Okay, I don't, and I, I, high school was sports and grades. I didn't have, I was not the popular kid. I was picked on a lot. So I wanted to spend a lot of time by myself anyways. Um, anyway, so I went to corporate America, um, shortly after that, uh, tech sales company called VeriSign right before eBay acquired them, which is now known as PayPal. Um, and so that little organization was the payments happening at VeriSign. And I didn't really understand the role that I was in. I thought I was just answering the phone and taking people's orders and like telling them, how cool this technology is. And I thought I was in a customer service role and, uh, and I, w- I was hired on as a contractor and contractors don't get uh, weekly updates of where you are in your quota. At the time, I didn't know what quota meant. And um, I got a bunch of pings from uh, team members that were full-time regular employees congratulating me. And it turns out that I was, it, everyone was at 50% of quota and I was already at 113% of my quota. I'm like, well, what does that mean? And uh, he goes, that means you get commission. What's commission? And he goes, you know how much you get paid? Yes. He goes, well, then you get this on top of that. I was like, what? When you're a teenager, what? This is so cool. And I say that to to show that for me, my first real corporate job, um, I understood what it meant to get paid what you were worth based on how much work you put in because I was in a sales role. So for the next 10 years, it was um, different 
companies doing sales, business development, VC consulting, things like that. And lucky to be in Silicon Valley. So when I moved up to San Francisco, every startup I've, I've worked with or worked for in that environment, I was also a flight hazard because my bosses knew that the day I was bored was a day I was going to find a new job and resign. Um, but they all knew that if I was there, you're getting a hundred percent from me at the time. Yeah. And, uh, so I never disliked my job. I made really good money. I would be sometimes like bummed. It was a weird melancholy. I'd have a a month that I did 500% of my quota and everyone was super pumped. And I was kind of like, maybe I need a job. Maybe this is one's boring now. And, and that didn't make sense. And it makes sense now why why I was not stoked, not, not unhappy, but not stoked. And, um, so when I got my results for my celiac diagnosis and I started to look better, feel better and be more, more present, like not present behind sunglasses because I was in pain, but actually like there in someone's face. I've always done um, corporate coaching in some way. I guess sidebar, did a lot of hospice counseling, at teen risk counseling or at risk teen counseling and um, domestic violence counseling. So that doing that at such a young age, starting at 16, naturally I would ask to also do that in some capacity in corporate America. So I did a lot of corporate coaching, teaching teams how to communicate to each other effectively. Like salespeople speak different than engineers and C-level executives don't always communicate really great with line employees types of things. So there was one person, um, C-level executive that we were going over that. And he was like, tell me about your diet. Tell me what's going on. Like your health looks good. Told him about paleo and what it is. He's like, I don't have time to do this. Will you just cook for me? I'm like, no. <laughs> it's not what I do. Um, and he's like, well, this is how much I'm willing to, to pay a private chef. And I grew an invisible beard. He's like, oh, this is interesting. Because in San Francisco, the joke that I make is you can be the richest, poorest person you know. You make good money. It all goes towards rent. Yeah. And I view this 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 person I was a cook for as cool side money to like pay for my designer dresses and things like that. Yeah. Um, and then shortly after that, like I would say a week after that, I was getting my wisdom teeth uh, removed and I had to see an oral surgeon because they were impacted and coiled around the nerve. And uh, he puts you under for that. And then when I was coming to and actually okay to speak again, he's like, I'm so excited you're gonna be my private chef. And I'm like, what? <laughs> he's like, you rambled on about this private chef thing and I, I hired you. And I'm like, Whoa. <laughs> oh God, that is so those are my first You're two. Cl- <laughs> yeah. So my first two clients, I was cooking for them for three months and still had my corporate job with no thoughts about leaving. Um, but then my body shut down. I was super tired. I pulled over on 101. My, my denim was drenched in sweat and I was shaking. Like I was having, I didn't understand what was happening. It was just like a meltdown. My body was too tired. So I took a day off from work to think about, do I go all in on being a private chef or do I stay in corporate America? And I went to the ferry building and uh, I had my friend who was playing hooky with me. Uh, her job is to let me not be an asshole to myself. And like, I'm always like, oh, I don't know what to do. She's like, you're an idiot. But it worked out amazing because I, I believe that when you're ready, um, signs come. But if you're too in your head, you're going to miss them as they come. So I'm so thankful for my friend. I see a man exiting the ferry building. And I'm a gentleman at heart, so I open the door for him. <laughs> and he notices that I open the door and he says, thank you. And he's surprised. And I'm surprised that he said, thank you. And I was like, oh, you're welcome. And he walks off. And as he walks off, I'm waiting for my friend, Jen. And she's like, are you a fucking moron? And I'm like, did I drop something? Like, what's going on? And she goes, you took a day off to look for a sign. You don't know what to do. 
and you opened the door, we'll say of opportunity, for Tyler Florence, a famous chef. Like, is that not a sign that you need to go? I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. And I decided to quit my job the next day. Yeah, and I tweet. I had tweeted at him right after that interaction, and he thought I just said, "Oh, I'm sorry, I'm the asshole." I didn't realize. And then I love his restaurants. Wafer Tavern in San Francisco is amazing, and uh, and he's and I made fun of myself, and he's like, "Hosh, oh, over is not dead," and started following me. And recently, I told him that story, and he's like, "That is incredible! Like the world needs to know about you." But I'm like, "No, not not really." <laughs> uh, but it was it was just a cool. I could have missed that opportunity. Or that that sign, if you will. Um, so quit the next day. My boss told me to go back to my seat. <laughs> uh, and I was really lucky. This boss in particular, he said, you know, I've known him for 10 years. He's like, this, I was waiting for this day. You're, you're not meant to work for someone else. He always kind of let me do what I wanted to do because he knew I was uh, social anxiety. I just, I don't want attention. Just let me make my number and leave. I don't want to bang the gong when I get a sale in. Right. And so he, he took over my pipeline for about a month, um, and helped me transition out and then went all in on being Mary the paleo chef. Um, it was personal paleo chef and paleo personal chef at the time. Paleo was getting really popular. And within a month I had celebrity chefs, professional athletes, actors, one percenter tech people all finding me and asking to hire me. Um, and then another weird interaction uh, with a friend uh, to get paleochef.com. So this is only a few months into it. He had asked me, uh, why do I don't have paleochef? And I was like, oh, it's taken. And uh, he's very mystical looking. He's Indian. He's got white hair that he sweeps over one eye. And he like, he's like, like, there's magic in that hair. And um I go, it's taken. He's like, just check it. Like, check it right now. I'm like, no, bro, it's taken. Like, I'm telling you, I've checked Paleo Chef. And he's like, just just humor me. And I just have a feeling, check it. It was expiring and going to auction that day. And so I won it at auction. And so that was three months into quitting my job. And then now this is four years later. That's amazing. That is such a cool story. It's unbelievable how when you're making decisions based off of what you're really meant to be doing, just listening listening to the deepest part of your heart and soul, even if you don't know that it's speaking to you, the signs are there. And isn't it crazy how easy it is to miss the signs? Yeah, I'm so grateful for Jen yeah. <laughs> being like, you're an idiot. And then Kamal being like, just, just stop being resistant, Mary. Just check. Like, don't be so stubborn. That's why I I always say surrounding yourself with positive energy, people who really get you, who just good people who challenge you. Yes. Is always agreeing with you. I would reevaluate that relationship. (laughs) You need honest, authentic people and it's okay to have other people too, but you need at least those people or else your decision-making will be skewed. And I believe that wholeheartedly and the sign thing is so massive and sometimes we do miss it. And I had somebody telling me an animal communicator actually last, um, have you seen Hudson, my cat? Uh, it's so rare because he's literally always out. Like I cannot believe that he hasn't, I wonder where he is. I wonder if he's basking in the sun. Anyway, well, he's white. That's a picture of him right there. Um, we'll, we'll find Hudson in a second, but anyways, that just dawned on me. Um, (laughs) Hudson told me via an animal communicator in November, slow down. You're missing all of the signs 
all of the signs, everything that's meant for you and good stuff is happening. So you don't get it, but you're missing the signs and you have to slow down. And I was like, oh, ha ha. Yeah. Like what? I mean, yes, I agree. I have to slow down, but what am I missing? And that freaks me out. I don't, I don't want to be missing important things. And, um, Hudson said, you're missing the love of your life is already in your life and you're not seeing him and he's your friend and just open your eyes and slow down. So I was like, all right, I'll take that with a grain of salt because I don't know what you're talking about. And he was right. And um, whether it was Hudson or the spirits above or the animal communicator herself or the universe, me, me, the universe. Yeah. And Hudson, because he's a huge part of me. He was right. And slowing down is just so massive. And so Jonathan, who introduced me to your website and Fat Fudge and everything, he was my friend for years. And he was the person Hudson was talking about. And then, well, Hudson told me. (laughs) Oh my God. Well, at that time, that would have been a disaster because until Jonathan got to know Hudson, he hated cats. And now they're best friends. Um, he's also severely allergic. So that's a whole thing in itself. And he's super not spiritual in the sense of animal communicators and mediums. And he would have been like, okay, you're officially insane and I'm not interested. Um, but it was both of us slowing down and both of us being ready to do something different. We had both been on our own for a long time and he was totally in a relationship with his job. And I was totally in a relationship with someone who didn't want to be with me. And, um, and then our timing aligned and it was kind of, I think both of us were so clear on our intention for the year. It was New Year's Eve. It was like a big, um, yoga event thing that I was doing. And we were both so clear. We loved each other. Like, I mean, I loved him a lot already. And so I think it was very obvious. It was just the timing wasn't right. And I didn't know if it ever would be. So I didn't really think about it until I slowed down. So it kind of just happened where, yeah, he told me, I have so much fun with you and we should spend more time together. And I was like, yes, I totally agree. And we never looked back because we we say we started dating at that moment, really, because we did. And um, when it's right, it's right. So the signs, but like I missed, I was missing everything because I wasn't paying attention. And um, that's a bit of a tangent, but I love that you had that sign with that, with the chef. And I noticed on your website that you have a few really huge chefs, um, writing testimonials on your site. And that must feel so cool. It's, it's, it's really uncomfortable. Yes, it's very cool. But it was also very uncomfortable. For someone who doesn't like attention. Yeah. And, and, and for what you see on the site, there's so many, like I work with some of the most incredible people in the world and I just don't like talking about them. I get really shy. Yeah, but well, that's probably why they like working with you. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, and yeah, the, the one I think that's on the site is, is Chef Mina. He was really special and started on Twitter and invited me in to, to talk to more about paleo because he wanted to incorporate it into a fine dining establishment. And this is only three months into being the paleo chef. Before I went in, there was an article that he wrote about how chefs shouldn't call themselves chefs unless they've been in the restaurant business for 10 years. And here I am waking, like waking up a day. I'm the paleo chef. <laughs> and, um, and so I brought some like tasting items for him. 
obviously that there he knew as a scotch drinker had scotch tasting for me, which is really awesome. I felt really important. I'm like, this feels like a trick. What is happening? <laughs> and um, and so I, I brought it up. I said, you wrote an article saying this, and I want to know how do you feel about me calling myself a chef? And he goes, explain to me how you made this particular dish. And I went through that process. He was like, I can't necessarily teach someone the innate understanding of balance you have. So yes, you're a chef. I'm like, can you say that into the microphone? <laughs> yes. I didn't want, cause I don't want to step on the toes for, of, of chefs that went to culinary school and did all that work. That's all profound stuff that I probably wouldn't be able to do. And so I, I didn't want to feel like I was disrespecting that path by calling myself a chef. So it felt not that my validation should come from without, but Michael Mina saying, you are knighting me as a chef. I was like, yes, I'm a chef. And then he let me rewrite the menu for RN74, um, again, just six months into being the paleo chef. And we did a full fine dining menu and it was beautiful. And I was mostly touched by, uh, there's a couple that came up afterwards. And I thought everyone there, it sold out a month in advance. I thought everyone was there for Mina. And it turns out a lot of them were for my work. And I was like, this is really cool and special. And the couple came up to me and the woman was crying. And she said, my husband and I have not been on a date in eight years because I can't eat anywhere. To, to like dress up and be taken out is just thank you. Thank you so much. And then he invited me back to do, uh, him and, and Adam Sobel, uh, another amazing chef, to do uh, a thing at the 49er Stadium for a thousand people. That is my personal record of people eating my food at once. Um, so he has a special place in my heart. Yeah. Will you say what some of his restaurants are? Uh, yeah. So there's um, Bourbon and Steak. There's one down here. I always forget the towns that are not in the marina. So. <laughs> um, there's Michael Mina Flagship, Pabu SF in San Francisco, an amazing Japanese restaurant. Um, there is a, a hidden menu of, I'm a scotch drinker, a hidden menu, and it's uh, for these beautiful scotches that come in wine glasses. Look for the the Wandering Samurai as my favorite drink there. Um, RN74, which I just mentioned. There's a lot. He has three or four that just, no, yeah. One restaurant that three or four concepts just opened up in Hawaii. He has uh, Michael Mina's restaurants also in Vegas. I think he has like 30 restaurants. Yeah. It's no joke. No, You're going to pull it up? Like, we'll just go down the list. I want to find, there's just one. My parents love it. It's in San Francisco and I'm trying to think of the name. I'll try to find it. If I don't find it while we're talking, I'll put it in the show notes. We, I feel like we had Thanksgiving there one year, if I can find it. I'm just going to see what comes up. But um that is the coolest story ever. And so now your main business is that you're a private chef for people. Do you make everything out of your kitchen? No. So I I don't like following all rules or finding out how to make rules accommodate me. So choosing to be a private chef versus a personal chef allows me to use my clients' kitchens. So then I don't have to worry about having um, certain certifications or having a kitchen of my own. Yeah. So it all happens in my clients' houses. Oh, good. Then you just leave everything there. That's so nice. Um, And I do that for some clients if they're preparing for a role or preseason, offseason. But it's like meal prep for the day. And I have to come in and do it fresh the next day. Um, Or it's breakfast, lunch, and dinner fresh. Like I'll go to Martha's Vineyard for a client and do breakfast, lunch, and dinner fresh. Or it is truly, I think clients hire me for my food, but also to be around me because Mm -hmm. They never leave me alone. They'll invite all their friends over and it turns into like this big discussion about food and movement and spirituality. And, and they will do that just for like a dinner. 
that's so special. <laughs> People just want to hang out with you and have you cook and use your talents, but soak in your light. It's so cool. So I looked it up while you were talking. I think it's just Michael Mina is the restaurant I'm thinking of. Pretty sure we had Thanksgiving dinner there one year. Um, we do like an on and off thing where I have three half siblings. They all have kids. And one year we're with them. We do the big thing. And yeah. sometimes it's just me and my parents. Yeah. So we'll go to just like a really nice restaurant in the city. And we went there one time. Loved it. They go a lot. But um, so I recognized his name on your website. So cool. So a question that I ask everybody that comes on the podcast, and I want to ask you because I feel like you'll have a very interesting answer, is if in a, in a good way, <laughs> maybe complex. Um, I'm very complex, and so I get it. If you were a color, what color would you be? I don't like labels. <laughs> no, it's 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 it really depends on. Not that I'm a different person each day, but like what part of me do I want to embody that day? So today I would be purple. Yesterday I was orange with a mix of brown. I'll probably be blue one day if I'm going into a certain meeting. So I think it really depends on how I'm feeling that day. I would have a hard time choosing just one color. I used to hate pink, but now I'm coming around to pink and I hated pink because of the bullying that I got. So I was like, no, I reject all of it. So I, I, no, I like all colors. Or feel all colors. What's your answer to that question? Well, I usually ask people the question <laughs> and I don't always answer it because I think it does change. Yeah. But this year, because yeah. it does change. Year. Yeah, this year is really yellow for me. And that was something that I chose yeah. during a guided meditation on New Year's Eve. So I just felt it. Yellow is bright. It's light. It... Reminds me of the sun, the daytime energy, and somehow it reminds me of love. And Jonathan picked yellow too. We were at the same meditation and that was weird. And that was like a few minutes before we had the conversation about dating. And I was like, what color did you choose? And he said yellow. And I was like, me too. That's a sign. And it is the sign. Like signs, I mean, signs are everywhere. And I'm a huge believer in that. So yellow, it's been a very yellow and white year because I am always trying to surround myself with white light protection and good vibes. Um, but I also... People tell me that I, I don't see colors, but people that see colors usually yeah. tell me like you have brilliant white light and yellow light. And the way they told me what it meant was that the white light was... Um, like divine spirit protecting you and the yellow light is natural blessings from, from God. I don't, I think that's what they said. Cool. I've heard that about the white light and it is, it's like the protection from spirit and I've done all this spiritual opening lately. And so it's so important to protect yourself energetically when you're opening yourself up. So I'm always trying to focus on the white light. And then I've had a lot of mediums tell me that my mom is like this white light and we're very close. So I'm always thinking of like whites and yellows, but I also really love like an ocean blue. So I'm all over the place <laughs> with the colors. So I like your answer. It changes all the time. And then we have a few minutes and I just want to at least bring up fat fudge. It's what brought me to you. It's delicious. It's literally my dream snack. And how did you come up with it? Um, so I uh, have professional athletes for clients and I was making them 
tahini fat bombs, just butter and tahini, because I really like the absorption of the two ingredients together. And being Middle Eastern, tahini is life. And I, on another part of the story, uh, was consulting with the Oracle sailing team, and they needed something that we could go on the boat, something really specific that wasn't goo. And I was trying to figure the pouch thing for them. And at that time, I was recommending that they grind up chia seeds into a powder and then put all their supplements in that and make it like jelly. So... In my head, I knew I needed to make a goo packet in some way that was paleo. I was making these fat bombs for my, my professional athlete clients. I have a coffee called Unicorn Fuel, a mix of these, these Middle Eastern spices. Yeah, and I called Unicorn Fuel as a joke, and it went viral and was voted best coffee hack a couple of years ago. And I'm like, be careful what you say on the internet. <laughs> and uh, people were asking me, can you turn Unicorn Fuel into like a ready-to-scoop thing? So I was like, I don't know. Maybe it doesn't sound that exciting to me. Um, and then I was making something called halawa one day in my kitchen. So it's all these moving parts that have been in my head. Halawa is, or halva, depending on what country you're coming from, is uh, a dessert and it's just tahini and honey. And you boil the honey at a really high heat. Uh, and then you mix in the tahini and you leave it in the fridge for 36 to 48 hours and it crystallizes and it's this like thing that kind of just falls apart and it's amazing. I messed up the heating on it and I knew it wasn't going to do the crystallization. It was just going to be a really sticky, sweet fudge. So I dumped in all the unicorn fuel ingredients into it, mixed it, added some some cocoa and then put it in the fridge and made some fudge. And then the next day I took out a block and I was eating it and I was like, oh, this is tasty. And I'm like, wait, this is also functional. Oh my God. And all the dots connected. And I'm like, this would be a really great thing for my clients. So then I cut the honey down by a lot, like one, like one to two grams from raw honey. And I used raw honey on purpose for its benefits. And it was making that for my clients. They loved it. Then my writer clients wanted it. My magician clients wanted it. So it's like, maybe I should share this recipe. So I shared the recipe. The recipe went viral and there were pictures of athletes making it and putting it in sandwich baggies, going on runs and saying, turn this into a product. And I was still like, I don't know, maybe, I don't know. I don't know if I'm interested in that. And uh, it got to the point where, um, do you know Morgan from Primal Kitchen? Are you familiar with Primal Kitchen products though? Yeah. Um, so we were going for a hike and and she was she's all about like talking and making leaps and the things like that because she's so in the consumer good space. So I decided just to, before I even had a product in my hand, put up 50 orders for sale of 12 packs. And I said, I would just figure out the rest as I, as I'd go. And I put on a unicorn head and I went on Periscope. I was like, okay, there's 50 orders that are live on the website. We'll see if anyone buys it. And then maybe I'll turn it into a product. And I went on Instagram and said, same thing. And that sold out in an hour and it wasn't even a real product yet. And I was like, oh crap, I got to figure out how to like make a squeeze pack. And what was really special to me, and I, I say this a lot, uh, there are certain people that whose work I follow that I like adore, and they're such amazing people in real in real life. Michelle from Nom Nom Paleo is one of them. She's one of the first people to come in as a purchase, and I didn't even really knew she that she knew I like really existed. Yeah. And I I tell her I was like, your purchase made me believe that I am going to succeed. And I when I have bad days, I think about you because I can't let you down. Like you made that purchase, and it means the world to me. Um. So I started hand packing hand squeezing. I bought plastic online, those food bag things. Uh, I bought an Amazon heat sealer for $69 and would make the the pouch by heat sealing these little pouches, then taking a ketchup bottle and squeezing the fat fudge over a scale into the pouch and then heat sealing it again. And 12 orders is 600 packets. So it's 600 packets. Hold this for a second. Oh my God. 
every Monday I would do 50 orders and it got to a point where they were selling out in less than a second and people were getting angry. Like, this is a Beyonce ticket. This is ridiculous. So then I had to figure out how to scale it um, to a co-packer. Lots of nightmares with co-packers making like $40,000, $80,000 like, errors. And, and that's a little bit later on, which we won't get into. But before I went to a co-packer, I didn't want funding. I didn't want to do a Kickstarter. I didn't want to go on Shark Tank. So I called upon all the readers. I said, look, you guys want this to turn into a product. I am very stubborn about showing that you can make a business happen by making money versus raising money. If you are willing to wait anywhere from three to six months to get the product in your hand, I just need a certain number of pre-orders so I can pay the co-packer and we'll just go from there. I only needed twenty to 30000 and $90,000 in pre-orders came in in the first month. And I was oh, able shit. to kickstart my business with zero debt. And I still, to date, haven't spent any money on marketing. I don't do any affiliate stuff. Everyone that talks about it knows what I had to endure to get to that point and still push forward. And they're just more than thrilled to like watch me incrementally grow. So like every decision I make is is very calculated as far as like when do I design the boxes? When do I launch vegan? When do I launch coffee free? Because every dollar has to go right back into it because I don't pay myself for that. My life is paid for by being a private chef. And I've shared every step of that way online. So it's it's a badass product, if I may say so myself. And so many people use it for so many different reasons and even some really serious therapeutic reasons, which I really adore. But it's also an example of you can do it. You can do this. If I could do this, hand packing 10,000 packets, I'm a fudge packer. I grew up to be a fudge packer. (laughs) Yay! (laughs) High school, left high school, became a fudge packer. That is so... Cool. I love the story. I read the story on your site, but hearing you say the story is so much cooler. It's just, there's something so magical about the passion that it took because that's a lot of time, a lot of effort. And as you said, it's not, that's not really your sole career. That's not where your income is coming from. This is because you want to provide an awesome paleo alternative to people. And you're speaking to me right now because I just ran a half marathon trail run in Oregon and I had no choice but to use (laughs) goose because I didn't put enough preparation. I was way out in Bend, Oregon and my only options were to have like goose, like traditional, you know, what they kept. I should have, but I wasn't even thinking that your product, that's what it's for. There's so many uh, ultra athletes right now um, that use fat fudge to get through these things, professional athletes, and they live and die by it hunters, all that stuff. And so there's a couple of readers, if you look it up next time, that actually break down at what mile point do they refuel with another packet. Okay. Well, I have to tell Jonathan because if he hasn't thought about this, then that means both of us were just not thinking, missing the signs Um, because he did an ultra the same day that I did the half and he's doing an Ironman in November. So this is wonderful because what I hate about running is that you end up often having to fuel yourself with food that you would never put into your body otherwise because sometimes you don't have another option. You're waking up at 4 a.m., loading up on oatmeal and peanut butter and then shoving bars. He had 13 bars the day before we ran because we were just like freaking out. We didn't have that many like things around us. I was like, you should stop with the bars now. It's like, I can't watch someone eat that many bars. The reason why I love fat fudge as opposed to protein bars is that it's easier to digest. It's easier to absorb into your system. So that's also, I I used to love goo when I was uh, an athlete. And then um, 
I, a lot of my friends would do a lot of drugs in Vegas, and I'm a little more conservative than that. So they would be doing their stuff to rage all night, and I would be on the dance floor with my goo packet. Like, I can hang. Yes. <laughs> so I definitely wanted to make something. What I loved about goo is that it was easy to absorb rather than getting yeah. distracted that's by a protein bar. So that's what fat fudge is. Wow, and it has caffeine in it. It has the uh, equivalent to one espresso bean, which is only 10 to 15 milligrams. You're actually getting a lot of the boost from the maca. Oh, yeah, cool. and then the the way it absorbs with all the other spices and the the butter and the tahini base is just a really interesting combination. And uh, so the one that's going to be coffee free, honey free, has cordyceps in it and beets to make up for what you would miss out on from the coffee. Adaptogen life, that's so cool. When is that one coming out? Um, that one probably won't be out for another like six to eight weeks. I'd put it on the run before the vegan one, um, but something that I'm working through is a lot of my recipe is still public. I want it to be an inclusive product. So if you can't buy it, I want you to make it. But then I also have three different people who've launched businesses using my recipe and with like interesting names. And so I was like, okay, they haven't figured out how to pack butter just yet. And so, and I'm not really happy with ingredients they're using. It's a like, capitalist world, do what you want, but I'm not happy with their ingredients. So I was like, maybe I should prioritize the the vegan one so I can continue to like be a smart businesswoman and strategic around it. So vegan comes first in the next four weeks and then Coffee Free comes out like six weeks after that. Are there pre-orders available like you did for the first flavor? No, no, you don't have to. That was like a first time. There's stress with pre-orders because even if you get the support, there is a lot of customer service when there's delays, like letting everyone know. And, and that was wonderful in that time. I don't want to do that again. Yeah. yeah, I had a t-shirt line yeah. with my blog up until January and we did a lot of like all sorts of pre-orders and lots of different launch tactics for similar reasons and the customer service is a lot and I know because we were talking about this, you only have yourself and you have one employee now, recent. So that's a lot of customer service for one to two people. Yes, yes. And I'm not the best customer service person because I'm not super like this is great and I'll help you. I'm like, look, dude. <laughs> I'm like, you don't know what I'm doing over here and I care about you, yeah. but please don't yeah. be so mean. And that was so hard for me. And I had a business partner, Cole, who was so good at customer service. And it was so funny because in real life, I was the one who was like, you know, so like sweet to everybody and like genuinely like, oh, no, no, it's fine. It's fine. And he was more like the harder heart tougher one and when we customer service serviced I'll just call it he was so nice because it was like a game for him like the meaner they were to us the nicer he was to them because he treated it like a game like I want to win this person over and it's so fun to win someone over who hates you and I'm like I don't like when people are mean so I can't like kiss their feet that seems counterintuitive I don't want their energy in my inbox customer service and be back at them with like, you know, this is essentially put in quotes mean, would you have them respond in a way like, oh, I didn't realize it's being this way. Like I, I, my customer service is that way, which is why I'm asking when I do it, someone's super mean. I'm like, hey, love your support. Really appreciate it. Here's what's going on behind the scenes in case you didn't know. And then they come back super nice after that. No, it's pretty, it's pretty amazing. I learned a lot about even no, being a customer on a daily basis, I'm always buying stuff on online products that I fall in love with. Um, I learned a lot from having my own customer service required brand. Um, 
just how things come across. And even me as a customer, sometimes I don't mean to sound so impatient, but when you pay for something and you're not receiving it, you have questions. So it just made me second guess the way that I that I approach that. But um, yeah, we were always, it was very similar. It was like, thank you so much. Yeah, it was, we love your support. We're so sorry. This wasn't meant to be this way. We're a three-person team. We are not a big company, contrary to popular belief. There's literally three of us. We do this out of a garage. We all have separate careers. We travel. If one of us is out of town, everything goes out of whack. Like, we are so sorry. And most people were like, oh my God, I had no idea. I can't believe Jordan herself is answering me. I thought that there was like this huge company back there and that wasn't it. So it was, we grew beyond our limits there and it was also not our passion. So like you were saying with, if you're bored, you're going to move on. We were done with the clothing thing. We were so done and not fashion, fashion people. Excuse the word, like manage. (laughs) was, yeah, not my thing. Not my thing. What I did love was providing people with really comfy t-shirts that said really cute health-inspired phrases on them because we started it three and a half years ago when people who were into this wellness stuff like we are, they didn't have like a whole lot of people around them who also were, it was like newer and it wasn't trendy or cool. So to have a shirt that says, okay, yes, or health is the new black, or it evolved into yoga stuff. It was really fun to connect with people who thought that those things were also cute and funny like I did. Um, and I loved providing people with, with shirts that made them happy and smile. However, that was like when we got into the whole styles and, oh, this doesn't fit this body type and this is unflattering and we should producing here in LA and this and that. It was, I don't like fashion. It wasn't my thing. Yeah, that's a whole other podcast in itself, but the customer service thing, I can only imagine. So that's fascinating. And I'm going to try fat fudge on my runs. I did. I was seriously just thinking I'm going to have to never do a distance run again because I can't do the whole like the fueling properly. It's it's so much work. You know this. I'm really uh, impressed that it's just the fueling aspect that makes you not want to do it again because to me it's no. the running aspect. I mean, <laughs> other than the fact that a week later, like I can still barely walk and like I did yoga last night and it was the most painful thing ever because my muscles. Well, so I did that and then Lauren did the body work and my whole body is like doesn't know what to do with itself. But yeah, it's the fueling because it's hard. Like my body responds really well to low intensity exercise and fueling myself just kind of at like a natural nervous system, nice and grounded. That's when I usually feel my best, but I love high intensity exercise for mental reasons and other stuff. So it's just the balance. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. This is a super random left like way over here. I really appreciate how you manage the decisions with the business that you let go of and how you manage your business now being highly sensitive and being a woman and being aware of your upside. Like I'm truly impressed by that. So before that thought goes away, I just wanted to say that. Thank you. I agree with you the moment that you were talking about you being in the corporate world in San Francisco and like leaving when you're, when the moment that you're ready to leave, that's so impressive. It's so hard. 
people trap themselves for years in places where they're unhappy. And there's a few things I have to get out of even right now. But I, and I know, I know that it's right. So I'm just going to do it. And it's not, it's not easy. You don't yeah. want to disappoint people. There's but a lot of magic on the other side of yeah, fuck it. There is. There, oh my God. I love that. I love that. So true. So I could talk to you forever. I think <laughs> you have to come back because I want to talk to you about like, your routines and your yeah. spiritual practice and yeah we can cook together we'll, we'll make a video okay this is so fun yay so tell everybody where they can find you uh paleo chef across the board paleochef.com paleo chef on instagram paleo chef on twitter and then fat fudge is p-h-a-t fudge.com and then there is a funny show called unicorn fuel that is on the mixed makeup youtube channel for the video stuff I love it. I love it. Love it. Yeah. Fat fudge is so good. And it's crazy because it was like right around the same time that I found your product and you, I've always been trying to make like a fat dessert, like just full of, full of fat. And I posted something on my story like this is a f- like a fat fudge, F-A-T, fat. And you have some very loyal followers because they were like, don't rip Mary off. I'm like, no, 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 no. Oh my God, no. <laughs> That's not what I wanted to do. But I love that they're dedicated yeah, to you. because they saw me build that yeah. process. And they also have seen how I've responded to the actual people that have tried. Like, this is a completely different, like, podcast, like, the entrepreneurial journey and, like, the real, the real stuff. Like, the kind of the dirtiness that happens and how do you show up and respond. They, they watched that process of like, how did I respond to the different people that came up and started using it? Mm-hmm. And so they are super loyal. Good. And and like I shared when I got my trademark and they're like, we're going we're gonna to be your mini trademark attorneys out here. Yeah. <laughs> you got to have eyes all over because the thing about the internet is that people can steal your ideas yeah. so fast. Yeah, they're allowed to. And your, your response is to not try to take them down, let them do what they need to do. You just focus on being better. Always doing, like it's the offense, always being better. I agree because there is room for everybody. You're not going to be the only one doing what you're doing, but if you do it better. When that stuff happens, it's definitely like the universe testing you. How bad is this the thing you want to do? How much value are you going to bring so this maintains your thing? So true. Well, we'll definitely do an episode on that. That's so fascinating. And no. So it's like, we work for ourselves. It's so great. It's hard. Really hard. So thank you for being here. You're amazing. And everyone can find her on Paleo Chef and Fat Fudge with a PH. And maybe we'll do like a fun giveaway or something. I'll figure it out and I'll put it in the intro. So whatever this is, everybody who's still listening, it's in the intro and it's going to be fun. So thank you so much. You're awesome. Thank you.